Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. kicking off a, a brand new series uh, today, and we're doing a Heart for the House. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, you need to know that this is kind of, uh, you, you've come at a great time because you're getting to see what God is doing and what God is going to do in this next uh, few months. But, uh, but here's, what, here's the amazing thing is, is that uh, it's, not, it's not necessarily a typical uh, Sunday, okay? So just relax and, and enjoy what God is doing and, and see what's going on here, but just realize that this isn't necessarily necessarily a typical Sunday, okay? So if you got a Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles 7.16. I'm actually going to have you turn to two passages of Scripture. 2 Chronicles 7.16. This is going to be our theme verse for the entire Heart for the House campaign. So you'll hear it over and over and over again, 2 Chronicles 7.16. And then you can just put your finger right there and then turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. And we're going to read 24 through 27 right after we read Second Chronicles. You got it? A lot of scripture, amen? All right, Second Chronicles 7.16 says this, For now I have chosen, God is speaking. He says, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house. Amen. That my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there Perpetually, Amen? Now, if you will, turn to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. It says this, Jesus is speaking and he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Building something great. Building something great. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. Lord, I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open, receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use me. Speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Everybody said? Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them you look fantastic. Turn to your second choice and say, you're not looking as good. (laughs) Come on, you had a second choice. Obviously, you turned to the one that you thought looked better than the other one, so... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you. Uh, oh, oh, you know, here's the thing. is building something great. You know, uh, I think it's amazing uh, that God talks about his house. You know, uh, there was a man named Ed, and Ed, uh, he kind of grew up in the uh, construction all of his life. He was always building, and he had worked his way up in a pretty major company, uh, and he was, he was kind of the foreman. He oversaw all the jobs. He made sure everything was going as planned. 
uh, he had given his life to building amazing houses. He built his life to building great houses. And, and he, did, he did a fantastic job for his employer. He always did, he always went above and beyond. He worked long hours. He made sure everything was, every nail was in the perfect place. Everything was like it should be. Well, he'd given his life uh, uh, to this company for 30 years and it was time to retire. But he was gonna do one last house. He had one more house to do. And so he decided, okay, well, I'm gonna build this house and I'm gonna retire. And, and, but as he began to think about building this house, he began to think about how rich he had made his boss and how he felt like he could never get ahead. Anybody ever been there? He, he said, I, you know, I've worked hard. I, I've given my life. He just keeps getting richer and richer. I don't feel like I get paid what I deserve. And so he, he, in that moment, he devised a plan that he was gonna cut every corner on this new house to save the money. Because he wanted to save some money, he was going to put a little nest egg back, going to have a little extra cash on the side, nobody would be any the wiser. And so uh, the budget was set for the new house at $500,000. I mean, it was going to be an amazing house, it's going to be awesome. And the boss came in and said, hey, listen, spare no expense. If you need to go above that, that's totally fine, you just let me know, spare no expense. So Ed went to work and he went to cutting corners. He didn't put in as good a foundation as should be put in. He just didn't. He, he cut the corners. He, made it a, he, he just didn't make the foundation as strong. He didn't use as much steel as he should use. He, he went in and instead of using half-inch sheetrock, he used quarter-inch. I mean, he thought of everything that he could do to make this house just a little bit cheaper. And by the time he had got done with the house, really, you couldn't tell that it wasn't well-built at all. It looked normal. It looked like a regular house from the outside. You know, he had done a good job of covering up his, his uh, deceptiveness. And, and, uh, and so he took the keys to the boss and he said, here you go, boss. I, here's, here's the keys. And he handed him the keys. And, uh, and the boss said, thank you so much. He said, everything good. Yeah, everything's good. You know, it's going to be an awesome house for whoever, whoever gets it. And, and, the, and the boss said, well, I know this is your last house. You've worked for me for 30 years. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And I wanted to give you as good a house if you, as you've built for me over the years. Wow. And handed him the keys. Come on. <laughs> See, what Ed didn't realize is that he was cutting corners on himself. What Ed didn't realize is that he was working on his future. What Ed didn't realize was that he was building something for himself. And I think that a lot of people fail to realize that you're building something in your life. That God, when, when God talks about the church and when he talks about your life, he talks about them like they're a house. He, he, he refers to both. He could have chosen anything. He could, he could have said it's like a tree or whatever. But he says it's like a house. Because here's the thing is that you are working and you are building something. And, and, and you, you have to realize and wake up and understand that I'm building something. And I'm building my future. Day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, I'm building my future. And I think that if we fail to realize that, then we end up at the end of our lives not, not having what we wanted to build to begin with. Right. We think that we maybe we're cheating somebody else, but the truth is, is we're just cheating ourselves. And you know, here's the thing is, is that God uses it, and we're starting this brand new thing, uh, this brand new series, Heart for the House, and God, God is doing something awesome, and it's gonna be amazing because we're getting ready to build a church we're going to build a church building. We've already built a church. Right. 
but we're going to build a church building, okay? But here's the thing is, is that I want you to understand that God refers to both your life and his church as a house. And together we are building. You can't, you cannot separate the two. You can't separate one from the other because here's the thing is that God uses his people to build his church and God uses his church to build his people. Right? God, you, and there's this massive lie that will, that the enemy would love for you to believe. That's why you have such a hard time making it to church on Sunday is that, you know, uh, you don't need church. Come on, I have guys come up to me. I do church under a tree, brother. Come on. Right? I, uh, come on, y'all know these people. And I know that everybody that needs to hear that's not here. So you're, 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 I'm preaching to the choir right now. But here's the thing, is that because the church will equip you to do what God has called you to do. When the, when the church is doing what it's supposed to, you will find your call, you will find your purpose for living. And when you plug in and you begin to do what God has called you to do, and you begin to find your purpose, then guess what happens? All of a sudden, you begin to make the church greater. And when you make the church church greater its reach is greater and we impact more people for the kingdom of God that's what the church is I believe this that a lot of people are looking for the government to bail them out to help them out but that has never been God's plan God's plan has always been for the church to be the answer for humanity this is God's word it's not my word it's so important to understand that God is using you to build something. Your life is being built right now. Your life is being built. Here's the thing that I want you to understand is that you're building the life that you have and you'll have the life you build. You're building the life you have and you'll have the life you build. But God wants to build not just a, a building, but he wants to build his people. And I think when we look at that, we really need to understand that there's, there's some really great people to look at in the Bible that uh, give great examples of how to build. There's some great people in the, there's a lot of great people in the Bible, obviously, but there's some that you don't want to learn from. I mean, David is awesome when it comes to conquering giants, but he's not a great father, right? Not a great husband either. You don't want to learn from him on the husband and the father end of it. But when it comes to building a life, there's a lot of great examples. But today I want to look at a man called Nehemiah. And I think we're going to just stay in this for the entire, entire length of the series just on Nehemiah. Now, I just want to give you a little bit of history about Nehemiah because he's one of those guys that most people just don't really know. And if you do, you're an A-plus Christian. Amen. If you don't, you're like most of the rest of the world who don't, have never heard of Nehemiah. But Nehemiah uh, was, was a uh, Jewish man, and, and he had been taken from his land. He had been taken to Persia, and he was serving the king in Persia. Now, he was the king's right-hand man. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to serve a king, a, king, a, a right-hand man is not a bad gig. He's living in the king's palace. He's eating the king's food. Come on, he's got everything that the king gives to him. He's got, he's got a good life. He is living a very good life. But something happens and all of a sudden Nehemiah's world gets rocked because he, he has somebody that's from Jerusalem, the place that he's from, 
show up into his life and tell him bad news. You ever had a good day go bad because you hear some bad news? Well, that's what happened. Nehemiah has uh, somebody from, uh, from this hood, you know, he's, he has them show up and say, hey, listen, you got to know something. There's some bad stuff going on. The, the entire uh, city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. Its gates are tore down. Its walls are tore down. It's in bad shape. It's been burned to the ground. Now, Nehemiah could have done a lot of things, a lot, like most of us, hear bad news and move on. But Nehemiah had a different heart. He heard this news and he decided, you know what? It's not just, it's not enough for me just to hear the news. I feel like I need to do something about it. And Nehemiah ended up doing something incredible. He ended up doing something great for God. He, he went in and actually ended up rebuilding Jerusalem. But here's the thing is, is that I think four things really made Nehemiah a great builder. And I think that it will make you a great builder in your own life. And it'll make us a great builder in the church. Four things that I think every great builder should have in building your life and building a church. Number one, compassion. Compassion. So it says in in, in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four, it says this. So it was when Nehemiah heard the words that Jerusalem had been destroyed, that he sat down and wept. And mourned for many days. See, here's the thing is, is that Nehemiah heard news and he had compassion on the people. It didn't directly affect him. He was, he was thousands of miles away, hundreds of miles away from the place that it was affected, but still he had compassion on the people that he had left. He had compassion on the people on the place that he had come from. There was something in him. His heart was grieved and he began to weep. You know, I think that one of the greatest things that Christians could have is more compassion. I think a lot of times we listen to news and we dismiss it too soon. Come on, we, we've gotten so anesthetized to it that we hear things and we just dismiss it like it's no big deal. Come on, if you watch the news, it's bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. And honestly, what happens is, is over time, you begin to develop a cold heart. You begin to get less and less and less compassionate. But Nehemiah was a compassionate person. You know, I think that if we would begin to get a heart of compassion, instead of throwing stones at people, we would start loving people. We would start caring. That makes a difference in communities is not hurling stones. I'm telling you right now, I I love to just have open arms and embrace every person that comes through these doors. Why? Because if you throw them out, churches are throwing people out left and right. And I can't tell them to keep throwing them out. I'll take every one they they throw out. Why? Because I want us to be a place, a refuge, and have a heart of compassion. Not people that look down their noses and say, well, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? The truth is, is every person in here is just as messed up as the person that walks through those doors. The difference is, is you don't struggle with the same thing. So you think you can throw a rock. But we need to have a heart of compassion when we hear of things that are going on in people's lives. We need, to, we need to just take time to grieve with them. You know, one of the shortest verses in the Bible carries so much meaning, or actually it's the shortest verse in the Bible, and it's two words. Jesus wept. Two words. Jesus wept. See, you gotta understand that Jesus is here on this earth, 
and he had heard news and it broke his heart, even though he knew that he was the answer, even though he knew he was going to turn it around, even though he knew that he was going to fix the whole thing, it says this, that he wept anyway. He, Jesus wept. And I'm here to tell you that if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can sit down and have compassion on people who are going through things, who are going through a hard time, who are having things in their life that don't seem to be going like it would, and even though he knows he's the answer, it says this, that he still took time to weep. His entire life on this earth was a mission of compassion. His entire life was a mission of compassion. It says this, that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil. Isn't that amazing? He went about doing good and healing everybody. He, he just took time to reach out. He took time to have compassion on the people who needed him the most. In fact, Jesus came to this earth and had compassion on you. The fact that he even came to this earth, he died on a cross, he rose from the dead, he seated at the right hand of the Father. All of this was a mission of compassion to reach you. Now here's the thing, is that if that's the way Jesus came, then why don't we think that as Christians we should go the same way? Why are we not doing the same? Where have we gotten off? To think that, oh, well, yeah, I know that was good enough for Jesus, but I don't need to do that. No, we need to live lives full of compassion. We need to live lives that we're always geared to people. And when we hear things, we take time to, maybe maybe you don't sit down and weep. Maybe you're like me and you're not a crier. That's okay. But you can still grieve for people. You can still pray for people. You can still reach out to people. You can still love people. Mother Teresa said this, I have found a paradox. That if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. If you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. Foundational truth that I think every Christian should live by and every church should live by is having a heart of compassion. Number two. We need to have confidence. Confidence. And when I say confidence, I mean confidence that God will help you do what he's called you to do. A confidence. One, four, again, it says this. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I was fasting. It says this, that he had compassion first. And then it says this, that immediately he said, I I was fasting and I began to pray. Isn't that amazing that here he is, he hears news and the first thing that he does is he begins to pray. You know, I think one of the greatest pillars that you can build your life on is developing a life of prayer. I think, and I think here's the deal is that a lot of people look at prayer the wrong way. They see prayer as, oh, well, I got to go into a closet and I got to, you know, I got to have this place just the way it is. I got to shut the door and I got to pray for four hours. That's not what prayer is. Now, if, if you do that, cool. I think that's really great. But you know what? I, you know where I do most of my praying is going down the road? Because y'all drive like really bad. So I pray, Lord, help them and teach them how to drive. That's what I pray. 
right? No, I pray. But that, that's one of the greatest places that, that, to, to pray is just as you're going down the road or, or whatever it is. Maybe, maybe you're different than me. Maybe it's in the shower. Maybe it's wherever you choose to pray. You just take time and say, God, I just want to pray. And just begin. And here's the thing is when you begin to pray, don't think that I've got to pray for 30 minutes. Pray for five. Pray for two. Talk to people who said, I've never prayed. I've never really prayed out loud. And prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. I always tell people this, that if we really believe God answered prayers, I don't think you could keep keep us from praying. Right? My son, um, Rylan, he's 10 years old, about to be 11, right? I think, I don't know. I, I brought him into this world. That's all I got. Right, but but he he came home, he came home. He had he had bought a, a yo-yo, and uh, he was trying to work this yo-yo, and I mean he he was trying to figure out how to he was trying to figure out how to roll it up, and then he'd get it rolled up, and he would try to figure out how to use it, and he, I mean and, and he got so mad, like he he's one of these like he gets frustrated, and when he gets frustrated, he just really frustrated like I mean he he just he like threw the thing down he's like that is the stupidest yo-yo on the planet the guy told me it was the best but he lied I mean like he was just furious and I walked over to him and I said what are you doing son and he's like I'm trying to figure out this stupid yo-yo and I was like well why are you so frustrated he's like because it doesn't work and I'm like here give it to me because here's the thing is that you don't know this, but I was a yo-yo champion. <laughs> come on, y'all remember Duncan and Duncan. Y'all, come on, back in the day. I, and so I, pull, I roll this thing up and I begin, to, I begin to do, I'm walking the dog. Come on, I'm doing around the world. And, 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 and Barrett looks at me and he goes, what? Uh, and, then, and then I hand it to him and he tries to do it. And he gives, he can't roll it back up. And so I show him how to. And here's the thing, is that in showing him, he goes, I didn't know it was that easy. But here's the thing is that if he would have just come to me first, I could have show I could have saved him so much frustration and so much anger. I could have showed him how to do it the right way the first time instead of getting mad and angry and giving up. Here's the thing is that I think a lot of people give up on their dreams because they don't go to God first and say, God, this is a dream in my heart. How do I make it happen? See, we made prayer a spare tire instead of a steering wheel. You hear people all the time that say, well, all I got left to do is just pray. All you got left is the first thing. Nehemiah said, the first thing I did is pray. The first thing I did, I got down on my knees and I began to pray to the God of heaven. Because here's the thing, is the God of the universe, when you understand that the God of the universe has given ear to your prayers, he's waiting on you just to call out and say, God, I need your help. I need you to fix this. I need you to show me how this works. I need you to show up in my life. What would happen if we became a people of prayer? What would happen if we understood Prayer is powerful. Instead, we go from ditch to ditch to ditch to ditch 
trying to figure out what to do. And God's saying, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just ask me? I'll show up in your life. I'll help you. I'll fix this thing if you'll just let me go to work on your behalf. Number three. The third thing and third pillar, I think, that helps you build a life and helps us build a church that makes an impact on the world is this. Cooperation with others. Cooperation with others. You know, nearly all of the third chapter of Nehemiah, and I don't have time to read it, but nearly the entire chapter of Nehemiah says this, and next to him. See, here's the thing is Nehemiah went to work on a wall. He, he went to work on what he thought God had called him to do, but Nehemiah didn't do it alone. He didn't do it alone. He made a decision that I'm going to reach out to every person that I can because this is too big of a job for me to do. This is too big of a task for me to take on. This is too much effort. There's just no way that I can do it. And so all of chapter three says this, and next to him, Elishab built next to him, and next to him, the men of Jericho built next to him. And next to them, Zachar built next to them. And over and over and over and over again, you'll see, and next to them, somebody else built. Here's the thing, is when you understand that we are better together, God has given you time, God has given you talent, God has given you treasure, God has given you people in your life to make you better than what you are right now. That's why Better Together is a foundational truth at the Church RC. It's because we really do believe this. It's not about a platform. It's about people. And when we come together and we link arms and we begin to do what God has called us to do, you know what amazing things can happen if we would just say, God, I'm not here to do it on my own. I'm not a self-made person. I need people in my life to help me, to get around me, to cheer me on sometimes, to cry with me. That's when we become greater. Nehemiah wasn't crazy. He knew that this was a massive task. So he called people and said, link arms with me. Let's build this thing. Let's do something great. Let's let's really link arms and see what God can do. See, you know when the church is its best? is when the people in the church are doing their part. And a a lie that people believe is their part is to sit in a chair. That's a pastor's job. No. You know when that's when the church is its greatest. Is when people realize that they have a call in their life and God has called them to do something great. And they begin every person in the church begins to do their part. If I could get my ushers just to come forward, this is where everything kind of changes. We're going to pass out some jars. And here's what I'd ask. I'd ask that every household, the head of every household, just take one. These aren't for every person. Okay? You're like, hey, what's in that, man? If every, just the head of every household would just take one, we're going to pass these out. And right now we have a video.
to show you whenever they're ready. Hey, Brian and Crystal here. We're the lead pastors at the Church RC. And right now we are sitting on the land that we purchased about a year ago. Uh, You know, it was a dream in our heart to buy land within the first year. And we didn't know how that was going to happen. We didn't know how the money was going to come in. But amazingly, in just five weeks, God brought every dollar in and we paid cash for this land. Now it's time to build a building on it. Our building will be one mile south of Interstate 30 on FM 548. Our church building will be one of the largest gathering places in Roy City. And it is our hope that this building will be a place that will serve the needs of our growing community. Current projections estimate that over the next 18 months, 500 homes will be built within a one-mile radius of our property. With the overall population of Roy City projecting to double over the next five to seven years, our building will provide visibility within our city and opportunities to reach our community. Our large parking lot will provide ample space for our team and guests each Sunday. The parking lot will provide access to entrances on both the east and west sides of the building. Our lobby will be an open and welcoming gathering place for everyone that comes in each week. With ample natural lighting and plenty of space, it will be a beautiful place to mingle, grab coffee, or visit the information center. Our information center will serve as a hub for people to get connected with community groups or find out more about what's happening at the church. Our kids' check-in area will ensure that each child is securely checked in during worship services. Each child will be greeted here before going into classrooms to learn more about Jesus. Our 10 children's classrooms will enable us to divide into more age-specific learning environments, with each space having one central purpose, creating an atmosphere for kids to encounter Jesus. Team members will have more space to teach age-appropriate lessons with activities and small groups. Our tiny walkers and babies will have spacious rooms to play and learn. Multiple classrooms means enabling our children to be led in fun, secure, and age-specific worship experiences. Our new worship center will be able to seat over twice the amount of people we currently accommodate. This will enable more people to encounter and experience Jesus for themselves. With a state-of-the-art light and sound system, our church will continue to provide an excellent worship experience each week. Not only will our facility be great during our weekend experiences, it will provide the perfect space for theater productions, community outreach events, and church conferences. Our first goal is to raise the funds needed to be able to break ground on our building. We know that we have the team and the vision to do it. We have a heart for the house. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, uh, every one of you, every household got a jar. And in the jar is land, uh, is dirt from our land. Every jar has dirt. We went out there and, and put uh, dirt from the land in each jar. Now, here's the thing. Is that in your hand, you're holding what is the foundation of lives being changed. In your hand, this is soil that, and and I want everybody to understand as we get ready to build this house, that we're not just sowing into steel, we're sowing into people. That on this land, lives will be changed. People will encounter Jesus. Marriages will be uh, restored. 
Babies will be dedicated. Baptisms will take place on this land. You know, it's so easy to get in mind that it's just another project. But the truth is, is that we're never about building buildings. We're about building people. And in the course of our church, we've seen over 2,000 salvations. Now, I want to ask you a question. If we've seen 2,000 salvations in a building we have for a few hours on Sunday, what will we be able to see in a building that belongs to us seven days a week? Come on, somebody. I know what everybody's wondering is, okay, well, now here's the time. They're going to pass out. We're going to do a special offering. That's not what we're doing. Because we really do, as your pastors believe, prayer is powerful. And so I'm asking you to begin to pray. And when you pray, I'm asking you to grab a hold of this jar and say, God, I just thank you for the lives that are going to be changed on this land. See, I wanted you to hold in your hands something more meaningful than a picture. Because the truth is, is that when we sow seed, God brings increase. And so I want you to begin to pray, number one, and ask God to bring in every dollar that we need. Every dollar that we need. To not just break ground, but to pay this thing off. Amen? I believe this. We, we honestly believe that when we have less debt, we have a greater impact. Because we can reach more people with the gospel. Amen. Number two, I'm asking you to pray that God would give us favor. Hey, I need more favor when I'm telling and pray for us. I need prayer and you need the practice. Amen. (laughs) Right. Ask God for favor, increase favor. Number three, I want you to ask God what your part is. See, that's the thing with Nehemiah is, is they built, every person did their part. And because every person did their part, they accomplished something great. Everything came in, all the money came in that they needed to build the wall and they finished a great project, but it started because every person did their part. Now, as we start this journey on our app, if you haven't downloaded the app, uh, you should do so. But we have 15-day devotional. And as a church, we're going to go through this. It's Monday through Friday for the next 15 days. We're going to just begin to pray. And on Saturdays, we're having prayer on Saturdays out on our land. Uh, and, the, and so if you want to come out, it's a come and go thing. It's from 10 to 11 every Saturday. 9 to 10. 9 to 10. Sorry, my bad. 9 to 10 every Saturday so you can come out and you can pray. Now, it's come and go, so if you're like, man, I can't give an hour, well, if you can give two minutes, give three minutes, whatever it is, but just to go out there and walk on the land. But we're asking you, first and foremost, to begin to pray. Now, every house will be getting a packet in the mail, and this, you'll get an envelope in the mail. Now, here's the thing, is we're trying to get this to everybody. If you think that for some reason we don't have your current address, 
uh, you can see the information table and let them know, hey, I don't, I've changed addresses. I, this is my current address because we are mailing these to you. We are mailing this to every person that we have the address on because we want you to have all the information. In it, there's a letter. In it, there's uh, uh, information about the app and the devotional. And we give you also some ways that you can give. Now, here's the thing is this is a two-year campaign because we we're believing God to pay off every dollar. And here's some uh, options in here. And you might think, you know what? I'm willing to commit for the next year or the next two years. I'm going to give this amount of money to the church. I'm going to just give above and beyond my tithes and my offerings. Now, here's what you have to understand is that you don't take what you're currently giving to the church and moving into building fund. That doesn't help the church. That hurts the church. Because right now, God is using every dollar to already reach our community. Reach our cities, reach our world. God is already using that money. So what, what this is, it's above and beyond whatever, you're, whatever, uh, whatever God puts on your heart. And we give you some suggestions. We have a brochure in there. And all we're, this is what we're asking right now is you just to pray. That's all we're asking you to do. We're going to have a, a, a commitment Sunday. So if you say, you know what, I'm going to commit. That's on May 14th, Mother's Day. And uh, no more, nobody more committed than mothers, right? Amen? So that's why we decided to do that. And then May 21st is our Miracle Sunday when we're going to bring our big, biggest and our best offering to the house of God and see him do amazing things. Amen? Now, I just want to give you a little more information and I'm done. Is I want you to understand that it is a big project and we understand. It's three and a half million dollars that's not a lot of money to you, you are in the right church. (laughs) Come see me after church, please. I want to just hug your neck. Amen. It's a lot of money. It's a big, big amount of money, but we have talked to a lender and a lender says this, if you'll raise a million dollars, we'll give you the loan. You can break ground. So that's our goal. We're going to raise a million dollars. Amen. I'm telling you this. I know that that's a big amount of money, but I serve a bigger God. And I don't know how he's going to do it. I just know he's going to do it. You know, here's the thing is you got to understand that our entire foundation is on miracles. We, we didn't have anybody and we needed $111,000 to, to start this church and do our first Sunday. And guess what? God brought in every dollar we needed. We needed, we needed $170,000 to buy a piece of land. And guess what? God brought in every dollar we needed to buy that piece of land. Pay cash for it. Amen. Now, guess what? God is going to bring in every dollar we need to break ground and to build this building. Why? Because God is building something. We're just partnering with him. Amen. We're just partnering with God. That's what this is. So here's the thing is right now, all I'm asking you to do is pray. Just pray. That's all. Amen. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.